And we are on air for Fans for Racing Radio. And tonight we have our Charlotte NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, uh, during the first half hour, we'll get into some short track racing from the past weekend. And we'll also talk about the Arkham and Art Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway this past weekend. Nine o'clock, we had scheduled Joe Graff Jr. to be on the show. Unfortunately, uh, just before the show started here tonight, he contacted us and let us know that uh, he's in a training session that went longer than he anticipated, and therefore he's not going to be able to make the show tonight. However, we do have him rescheduled for next Monday night. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing, so he'll be talking to us after the race at Portland uh, next week. Uh, so instead, we will have some post-race audio uh, from Charlotte Motor Speedway to share with you during that 9 o'clock uh, time frame. And then after that, we'll get into the NASCAR Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and then the Cup Series races all at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Again, Hot Topic starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, we have both Jay Huseman and Tommy Kraft coming on board for that. And, of course, joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you got the word or not, but Joe can't make it tonight. He had a training session uh, go uh, overtime, and so he's rescheduled into next Monday night. So we're going to have some post-race audio instead. So. Okay, that's that's uh, <clears throat> sounds good to me. Okay, but let's go ahead and get started with uh, the short track racing uh, from this past weekend. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, really good things going on. Eric Jones uh, with Petty GMS Motorsports, uh, it was announced that uh, he now has a partnership that will begin with the Money in the Bank at Berlin uh, Speedway. He's joining Wimmer Motorsports for six super late model races. So uh, that's kind of really cool to hear. Uh, that Eric Jones is going to be doing some super late model racing. Yeah, it does. He's coming back to his roots, give back to the sports that's given so much to him. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see him get back behind the wheel of of a super late. Yes, indeed. I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, So uh, we had a lot of racing that took place this past weekend. IndyCar was racing. I guess Erickson took the uh, win in that race. Denny Hamlin wins the Coca-Cola 600. Ross Chastain wins the truck race. And Josh Berry wins the Xfinity Series race uh, this past weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But uh, there were a lot of um, uh, drivers that were winning late model races this past weekend, too. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, I, I didn't really get a chance to see too much with this being a holiday weekend. I try to kind of try to stay away from racing, um, you know, and spend, you know, time, you know, 
since I do it all during the rest of the season. Yeah, I try to spend time with the family and um and um but um Well yeah, one was, big one is Hardenchild's uh beat Hal Larson and Shuhart chart for uh, the Memorial Day Triumph in the World of Outlaws. So that was a big win for them. Sheldon Hardenchild uh, was the winner in that World of Outlaws race driving uh, the Stenhouse Junior Marshall Racing number 17. Uh, he was able to beat uh, not only Kyle Larson, but he was also able to beat Logan uh, Shuchart, uh in a green-white checkered finish. Uh, and uh, that uh, Kyle Larson ended up being uh, on the top from 16th to second. He ended up being second uh, in that race. So, big, big win for Hawden Child. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is, especially in a... You said this was a dirt race? Yes. Yeah, it was a dirt... Yeah, it should have been a dirt race out there, yeah. Yeah, dirt racing is huge back, back over... Back east. I mean, a lot more than we have over here. We don't have too many. We have a, we have a, we have some some good. I mean, we get Kyle. Well, Kyle Larson's from out here, anyways. He's from him and um, Rico, uh, Rico uh, uh, Bruce from out here. So, you know, we get we get our um, you know a lot of chances you know to see them come out here and uh, and race in the in the dirt. Okay. It was also announced this week uh, that Caden Honeycutt uh, will race for Rock Motorsports also at Berlin Raceway on June 8th. So uh, that's another uh, big-name driver uh, that's going to be joining that super light model race. Yeah, we see we see Caden Honeycutt up at the Derby every year, and I know he does a lot of um I think he used to. I'm not too sure. I haven't seen, I haven't seen his name much this year with the Southern Super Series that they run out there at um, out there at Five Flags. But um, I know he's he's a uh, he's a big name as far as when Slinger comes around and the All American 400 comes around and you know all these big money late, Super Day model races come around. You'll hear a lot about about uh, about Honeycutt. Yes, indeed. Uh, also, uh, in the uh, special uh, NASCAR modified uh, race at Jennerstown, uh, Christopher Jr. Uh, was able to pull off a win at that race. In the uh, modified race for NASCAR, Mike Christopher Jr. is the nephew of the late Ted Christopher. Uh, wheeling the number seven New York modified owned by Tommy Baldwin Jr. Uh, and they won their first NASCAR wheel and modified tour victory at Jennerstown's Jenner's Town Salutes 150. So a big win for uh, a lot of people who recognize Tommy Baldwin Jr. and his yeah. uh, modified team. Yeah, that, 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 that. That they definitely will. It's another another good solid um, race and a good uh, a good a good venue out there. It is indeed. Um, 
Oh, let's see. Bobby Santos also got a sweep uh, um, rejunction at Carbonite Classic in Brownsburg, Indiana. Uh, that is uh, uh, the one that we never quite know what to call it. It's Bobby Santos III got redemption Friday night at Indianapolis Raceway Park. It's back to IRP so, in Brownsburg, Indiana. Yeah, I had some friends that worked. They went to the uh, they went to, to the Indy 500, and they ended up at the at IRC to go watch some racing. And um, oh, okay. Bobby Santos, yeah, the Santos family. They've been around for years. I remember back when we used to have the Turkey Night Grand Prix here at Irondale. Bobby Santos was always uh, one of the um, was always one of the favorites to win it. Mm-hmm. And that Card Night Classic is kind of a tradition. Uh, that goes with the uh, Indianapolis 500. So uh, really good to see him get that notoriety and, and recognition for a great race at IRP. Okay, they say they have over 60 drivers already entered for the Eldora Million. Uh, so that's going to be a huge race. That's uh, at Eldora Speedway, June 8th to the 9th. Uh, and it sounds like there's some pretty big money on the line uh, when you're talking about a million dollars. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, that'll be the whole, the whole prize breakdown throughout the, uh, <clears throat> throughout the, um, uh, the, event. the whole purse. Yeah, the whole purse that'll get mm-hmm. divided by depending where you finish. So a lot of people entered in that. Uh, if you want to get out there to Eldora Speedway, uh, that sounds like it's going to be a uh, pretty big event. Okay, Johnny Appleseed Classic, the unofficial prelude to the Eldora Million. So in addition to uh, that Eldora Million race, the Johnny Appleseed Classic will precede it. So uh, a lot of people probably entered in uh, both of those events. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll get a lot of people, you know, to uh, a lot a lot of drivers from over there, you know, hit those, you know, in between all their other racing and <clears throat> exactly right. Uh, okay, also Anthony Macri sweeps the All Stars White Church Memorial at Port Royal uh, in Pennsylvania. So uh, a big win for him as well. Uh, he's been pretty unstoppable at Port Royal Speedway, the Speed Palace this weekend. He uh, continued his winning ways with a $29,000 payday in the Sunday night Bob Weicker Memorial Finale featuring Kazo All-Star Circuit of Champions presented by Mobile One. We've heard a lot about that uh, series this year. Yeah, I haven't heard much about it, so I, I probably because you guys live out there, and you know, in the in the Midwest, well, you know, I'm sure you know you'll hear more about stuff like that. This is the one that uh, Kyle Larson actually sponsored one of the races uh, and raced in it, so he brought some attention to it a few weeks ago, and uh, this is just a continuation of that series. Uh, so a lot of Again, good, good stuff going on there. Um, uh, a lot of uh, big races this weekend. Let's go ahead and move on, though, 
south to the Arkham Menard series because uh, the Arkham Menard series raced at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend. It brought some big names uh, to the race, uh, and Brandon Jones was the race winner uh, of that event. Uh, several top contenders encountered issues during the first half of the 100-lap race, but it was Jones who avoided all the chaos and managed to pull away from Corey Heim to pick up his sixth career victory in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, so uh, we know he's got commitments in the uh, Xfinity Series, uh, but to see him go back to the Arkham Menard Series and get that win is pretty cool as well. Brandon Jones scored his sixth career Arkham Menard Series victory in Friday night's General Tire 150 at Charlotte. He led the last 30 laps to score that victory, uh, and it's his first victory since he won at Charlotte in 2018. So Jones moves into a tie for 59th place in the series all-time winner's list. Other drivers uh, with six career wins include Elmer Musgrave, Paul Parks, Ralph Latham, three-time series champion Bob Dodder, Ed Hoggy, uh, 1999 series champion Bill Baird, Ryan Hemphill, uh, Tom Hester III, Brennan Poole, Alex Bowman, and the 2016 series champion Chase Bristow. So six drivers either tied or set their career series best finish in the general title 150. Uh, the winner, Brandon Jones, fourth place finisher, Connor Mosak, seventh place, Amber Balkin, ninth place, Tony Constantino, 12th place finisher, Matt Wilson, and 16th place uh, finisher, Christian Rose. So uh, pretty uh, nice results there. Uh, for a lot of drivers, in addition to Brandon Jones. Oh yeah, it was a lot of kind of kind of crazy to see all the fires, all the cars that caught fire, and um, all the I don't know, it was, it was just a weird race. With a lot of wrecks, you know, a lot of um, a lot, a lot of, of stuff going on. You know, that, yeah, a lot of chaos that we usually not not used to seeing with uh, you know in that series. That, that is so true. Uh, Corey Heim actually started in eighth place. He quickly raced to the front, front, leading 15 laps on his way to second at the finish. Heim has three top five finishes in four Arkham and Art Series starts so far this season. Third place finisher, Rajak Karuz, earned his fourth top ten finish of the season and his third top five finish in his last four starts with the third-place result. Uh, I know he wasn't happy with that. He wanted to win that race. But he did lead a career-high 27 laps and now reassumed the series championship lead by just four points over his teammate, Nick Sanchez. Okay, we'll move on here. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, sure. I was just going to say, yeah, he, he, ran a, he was running a good race. <clears throat> he looked like the car to beat yeah, for a while. He, yeah, you know, he things, said he things was happened. 
Yeah, stuff. A lot of stuff happened. He said he was disappointed that he didn't win the race. He he really thought he had the car to do it. Um, so the third place uh, stung just a little bit. Fourth place finisher Connor Mosack led laps for the first time in his uh, Arkham and Art Series career. He led for six laps at the midway point of the uh, General Tire 150. Fifth place finisher Greg Van All earned his first top five finish since finishing second at Winchester Speedway last July. And ninth place finisher Tony Cosentino earned his second career top ten finish driving for the 1995 Arkham and champion Andy Killenberg. So the runner-up finish for Corey Heim uh, was his 38th career top 10 finish in 40 starts in the Arkham and Series. That's an impressive stat. Well, yeah, it's a real impressive stat. That was a, that was a good run by him. And um, we all remember last year when him and uh, – uh, Chandler Smith, not Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith were racing, racing each other toe-to-toe for the, oh, him and Ty Gibbs mm-hmm. for the championship. Yep. They had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good runs together. They did. Uh, a season-high five drivers led laps at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, besides Brandon Jones, it was Corey Heim, Nick Sanchez, Roger Carruth, and Connor Mosack. Daniel Dye completed 99 of the race's 100 laps on his way to sixth place. Uh, it is the first time he's finished off the lead lap this season. Roger Carruth is the only driver now to have completed all 502 laps of competition so far this season. Also, Roger Carruth leads the series full-time drivers with a 5.2 average finish, a full position ahead of Daniel Dye, who had a 6.2 average in second among the series regulars. So uh, some interesting stats there from the news and notes at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Arkham and Art Series. Yeah, yeah, it was especially for the for the track, you know, you know the big mile and a half track, you know, race. We've seen it, you know, race fast, and uh, you know, it, it gave a good show to the fans. But it just, uh, just something about it was just a crazy, you know, crazy weekend, crazy finish. Yeah, it, it had a lot of activity. There's no doubt about it. There was a lot of chaos. Uh, it was kind of survival of the fittest, if you will, uh, for that race. Uh, I think we covered pretty much the top ten. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but just to cover it again, it was Brandon Jones, Corey Heim, Roger Ruth, Hunter Mosack, and Greg Van Holt in the top five. Then it was Daniel Dye, Amber Balkan, Nick Sanchez, Tony Constantino, and Sean Cord rounds out the top ten. Uh, do you want to go ahead and cover the uh, points for the Arkham and Series? Yeah, then when we look at the points, we got um, Roger Carruth is still, uh, is, uh, still leading the points. Uh, behind him in second is Daniel Dye. Uh, let me see. Third is... Nick Sanchez, fourth is Tony uh, uh, Breidinger, and fifth is uh, Albert, Albert, Amber Balkin, two women in the series. 
that are fighting for that uh for that fourth and fifth. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh the from, drivers go ahead. And and then from there that we go down to uh let's see uh down to six is is Greg Greg Van Els. Uh next is Zach Zachary Pinkle, um Brad Smith, Corey Heim, and just like Ryan Huff. Mhm. Yeah, Corey Heim and Ryan Huff only have four of the five races uh completed this season. Uh but all the other drivers have been in all five races. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting without a win, you know, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna climb up the ladder so far um there's not really one driver you know, who's really dominated the series, you know. Um uh Nick Sanchez has two wins, Corey Hyman has one and you then you know, you go down to down to the bottom of the list. You go down yeah, to Taylor Brandon. Gray and then yeah. then of course Brandon Jones. Each have wins. And there's your five uh, races. Yeah, there's your five races right there. Exactly. So, yeah, Brandon Jones kind of took it away from uh, the uh, ARCA regulars, but he did talk about how he enjoys racing in the ARCA Menard Series, Uh, and it's a boost of confidence uh, for a driver. Even though he's racing full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, uh, those Xfinity Series wins are hard to come by. And uh, when you can go to the Arkham and Art Series and uh, remind yourself that you still know how to drive and you're still capable of winning, that's always a good thing, too. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a huge thing. You know, when you, know, when you, when you look up at the, you know, with the, with the point standings, there's no points on the thing. You know, so it's, it's hard to tell how far each driver is away from each other. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't have the points listed. Uh, I don't know if there's uh, a question about that. Uh, they just have it listed in order. And they didn't even put the, the running orders, like 1 through 10. We just kind of had to count down, right? Yeah, that's, so that, that, our, that's basically it. Yeah, our list isn't what it typically is here in the Arkham and Art series for the series point standings. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to come back and check that out later, uh, they usually do have those points listed. Uh, and uh, you can kind of keep track of how all of that is playing out. Um, now, Josh White, there's a, a nice article about him. Uh, refusing to get up, give up on his racing dream. He's a former Marine uh, with an attitude of no quit, no surrender. So uh, if you want to catch up with Josh White, uh, there's a nice article there. There's also the takeaways from the General Tire 150. Uh, but just to let you know, the next race uh, that's coming up is the Arkham Menard Series West. Uh, they are racing at Portland International Raceway uh, this coming weekend. That is a road course, and that's going to be an exciting race. Uh, and that's where uh, Joe was spending some of his time today 
during a special uh, training session for Portland uh, in the Xfinity Series. But uh, keep in mind, it's not just the Xfinity Series racing there this weekend. It's also going to be uh, the Arkham and Art Series West at that track, and it will be televised. It will be live-streamed on Flow Racing. Uh, that's going to take place on June the 4th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time. That's 7 o'clock, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So that is on June the 4th, which is Saturday. So a big race to look forward to there at Portland. Yeah, we're gonna. It's a, it's a, it's gonna be. So far, it's 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 panning out to be a really good season. To all all the all the way through, you know, the Arca, you know, through all the series, you know, all the way from the Arca to the West to the um, to the East, and then of course, you know, the the, the Sioux Chief Showdown. So, um, you know, even though we're not getting full fields, but the nice thing is that we're getting you know drivers that are going coming from different series, you know, to race, you know, yeah. to you know make the field you know a little bit bigger than what they. They would be if you know if we just counted on just the regulars. Yeah, the big race that's coming up will be the following week. Uh, that's the one, uh, and we've been talking about this one for a long time. The Calypso Lemonade 150 uh, that's taking place June the 11th at uh, Iowa Speedway. A big, big event because you've got three different series uh, gaining points during that one race. Uh, in the Arkham and Art Series, the Arca East, and it's the second race for the Food Chief Showdown this season. So uh, we'll kind of see some separation points-wise uh, and how that falls out after Iowa Speedway. Yeah, it, it's going to be really, it'll be really interesting, especially especially once we start getting some more some more races underneath the um, the Sioux Chief Showdown. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, it definitely will be interesting. Okay, we're ready to uh, kind of move on here, uh, Sal. I know we're a little ahead of schedule, uh, but that's okay because uh, a lot of times we run out of time uh, as we get into uh, the top three series. Uh, the one, the driver who won in the uh, I'm sorry, the truck series at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend is um, Ross Castain. I do have some post-race audio from him, and uh, I thought maybe we'd play that since Joe Graff Jr. Uh, was not able to make it tonight. Uh, we'll play, we won't be able to play all of it because uh, that whole interview uh, with Ross Chastain uh, is actually about, uh, it doesn't really say here. It just says megabytes. Uh, I'm not sure how long it is. Let me see if I can see it here. Oh, yeah, it's about 18 minutes, almost 19 minutes. So we'll only be able to play maybe about 10 minutes of it, if that much. Uh, it might be a little less than 10 minutes. And then Sal and I will comment on Ross's comments, and then we'll get into the truck series uh, review. How does that sound, Sal? Sounds good. Ready to hear some some, uh, some post-race interviews, especially okay. from Ross. 
Ross Chastain. He uh, is the driver. He was uh, driving for Nice Motorsports this past weekend at uh, at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. He drove the number 41 and brought us to Victory Lane. Uh, and that's what we're going to listen to is his post-race comments after winning uh, in the Camping World Truck Series. Here we go. All right, we are now joined by the winning driver, driver number 41, Chevrolet for East Motorsports. That is Ross Chastain Ross. Uh, maybe just open us up with uh, some thoughts about tonight's race, especially that, that last race. Yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts are Carson Hosevar won this race. He's dominated. He's so fast. He's such a ugly kid, but he's so good at 19 years old and future star of the sport. Probably coming for my job or, or somebody else. So, it's amazing to me that he's 10 years younger than me, and he's doing things that I'm learning from him. So um, just hats off to him. It's so cool that 42 group. Um, the best part about this, though, is that these motorsports probably for the first time um, ever, I think I probably count two or three other times where we had two real chances to win, two trucks that they could go right to win. There was a few times a few years ago um, where I thought, I let him down, so that's 
that put him in a really bad spot with Priest tight on his door, and Priest knew what he was doing. And I mean, you know what's going to happen whenever you're uh, you're racing for the win like this. I can't believe John Hunter in, in the '98. I think that we all made it on the final lap. So um, yeah, mistakes were made by all of us. Priest isn't immune to that, but I, I understand what Priest the same way. Ray Spencer with the NASCAR Wire. Two questions. Um, one, Ray says you owe him one. Could you have won the race without the push on the back? Absolutely not. No, that's, that's why I took the top, was the momentum is always going to come to the outside. And that's just, yeah, there was, uh, I guess, your Toyota's lined up on the bottom, and your Chevy's lined up on top. And my brother said it his very first race, like, sweet, sweet Chevy power. Chevy's won. And that leads to the second. Did, um, did Carson make a mistake by not taking the time? There's no way to say that at the moment. Um, coming to the restart, I was I was confident that we had everything we needed to go in the race. And I did not get through the gears good enough. I gave him an initial push in the restart zone. And then I was a truck link back, and I did not do a good job from there on. So if I would have stayed attached, Carson Hosmar wins this race. God's away. I fight for second or third. And happy, happy to do that. So the mistake was the 41 truck not getting through the years. That's, that's not me being hard on myself. That's not just me overcoating anything else. It's a simple fact. If I would have pushed it like I should have, it would have this race. Over here in the back right to see that. Toronto CBS Sports. Ross, uh, you heard it. Anyone on the uh, who was on the front stretch of the post race heard it. When uh, when your crew guy brought the watermelon out for you to do your watermelon smash, the crowd here went nuts. And uh, it seems like people have really gravitated toward your signature celebration. Uh, given that you've lived your entire life in the agriculture industry and you've been such a huge ambassador for watermelon industry in particular, what has it been like? What has it been like for you to have the fans embrace your watermelon special operation as much as they have? It means the world. It's it's everything that I've ever wanted. I was a farmer, and I was going to be like my dad and like my granddad and like the seven generations of Chastains that farmed watermelons before us, and they were farming a lot longer than that. I'm proud that we are a small part of feeding this world. And the fact that I can give back to the industry, to agriculture, that not only is supported my family, but to feed the world and smash this venomous watermelon on the front stretch is absolutely incredible to have the first watermelon queen here for a win. Georgia Watermelon, this is the kickoff of their season. They've been with me, the Watermelon Association has been with me for my entire career. My very first race at IRP, we had chef food and we had watermelon queen and we were cutting the watermelon. I spent more time at IRP out in the fan zone than I did actually getting ready for the race. And it's just incredible that, that something so simple as a watermelon and it has molded my family into what we are. And we're so proud to be farmers. We're proud to be in agriculture. We're proud to be a very small part of feeding this world. And, um, to have NASCAR fans react the way they do, you know, it's, it is. It's, 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 it's,
truly everything that I've ever wanted. Thank you. Eddie? Uh, we'll go up here to Jordan and check if there's anything in the press. Jordan, back to the athletic. You, uh, you seem to have taken like a leadership role and just come down to these you know, spot starts and behind the scenes everything as well. Is that something you enjoy and embrace? Half the time, I'm asking more questions than the cop meetings than anybody else. Um, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I raced at Charlotte for the first time in 2012. I, before I ever raced at NASCAR, I did a, like, we showed up one afternoon and they were doing penny ride alongs. I rode right feet. We went to the corner, I couldn't even see her on the dash. I was probably 14. I didn't really think it was really legal to do, but yeah, I won't even go into any more detail. I don't want anybody in trouble, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been racing here for 10 or 11 years now, and I've hit the wall here about everywhere possible. And if I can just help, help me, Wallace, Chris, or Carson, or anybody, anybody that comes and asks me, I'm all ears. I'm still learning, and I hope I never stop learning. The, the day that I don't wake up and think about how to make a race car go faster, and I don't wonder what I could do better than the next guy, I probably should stop racing. So um, that's the biggest thing I push all these guys and girls to do that, that I talk to and that, that we are all trying to be better race car drivers. I don't look at it as a leadership. I look at it as racers racing and we're preparing to shop to win races and that's what these races are um, Yeah, at these, I'm, I'm all team out these in these motorsports. Y'all, y'all seen that. Y'all heard it. Um, yeah, I, I'd do anything for that guy, Cody Eiffel. Okay, Sal, your thoughts about uh, Ross Chastain's comments. After winning at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the Camping World Truck Series. Yeah, his, his comments were really interesting. You know, he kind of covered, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, um, you know, even to the point, you know, of trying to cover, you know, for for uh, House of Ours mistakes, you know, you know, trying to make it, you know, you know, so it, it, it's not, he didn't take the brunt of it, but Bottom line is the guy made it. it this ain't the first time he's made that mistake, you know. And uh, you know Ross, I kind of think should have he, which he did give a good interview on the win and all that, but try not to focus so much on Horsevar did his mistakes and, and concentrate more, you know, on winning, you know, a race at Charter Motor Speedway in the trucks, because uh, even though it was Horsevar's mistake to knock him and uh, Ryan Priest out, you know, and 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 um, and uh. It gave um, uh, Chastain the, uh, you know, the opportunity to win. He was just so excited. I mean, then he would, you know, then he breaks the watermelon. You know, the crowd goes crazy. You know, then he grabs a piece and eats it. You know, and gives a piece to the camera guy. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, he just, I mean, it, it. I, from what all the drivers were saying, you know, to win a race, there was sharding was big and. You know, and especially when you were, you're not expecting to win, you know, you're that far back, you know, you're thinking, okay, you know, I just want to get a good finish and bring the truck home in one piece. And next, you know, you're in victory lane. You know, I guess it would kind of throw you for a little surprise, you know, a little loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was quite a finish. I know Ryan Priest was very upset. Uh, I'm almost positive that after he's had a day to kind of think about it, he kind of uh, understands uh, the situation. Uh, Carson Hosevar was very down on himself. He knew he made a mistake uh, and, uh, uh, you know, was disappointed that he made the mistake. 
Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, Ron Chastain uh, happened to be sitting in the catbird seat uh, to be able to take advantage of that situation and, and be able to get that win. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is true that fans have really embraced Ross Chastain and his celebration with the watermelon uh, for winning a race. Uh, that's become a pretty big thing uh, for the fans is to see him celebrate with with the watermelon. And, you know, we've had Ross on the show before, uh, and we always ask him about how the watermelons are doing uh, when he was on the show with us. You know, I... I... This is most of our first mistake like that. I see them do it at super late models, you know, and, you know, there was, there was a couple of comments made from, from the super late model, you know, forum, you know, which is, you know, like, you know, what Derek Thorne races, Bubba Pollard and those drivers. And they said that this is what happens when you give a kid money and he doesn't come up, you know, through the ranks, you know, the way he should. You know, he gets put in a spot where he has a chance to win a big race, you know, and he and he makes that same mistake over and over and over again, you know. But, um, you know, Chastain, you know, happened to be there, you know, and, and capitalized on it, which was good. It's good for Ross because last year he, he kind of had, I think the year before he had a really good season, and last year he just kind of didn't, wasn't the same Chastain. And this year he just really back to, uh, you know, back to his winning ways, winning and everything he gets into. It's always exciting to watch him race an exciting interview, you know, and then, like you said, you know, the signature watermelon, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reminds me of Gallag- Gallagher, the comedian, you know, he used to bust the watermelon. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. Ross Chastain is one of those people who has an infectious smile. He's uh, always a happy guy. I very rarely see him, uh, whether it's on television or any time that we've been at the track. You don't see Ross Chastain kind of down in the dumps. He's always uh, a very positive-thinking kind of guy. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you, you, when I see him at the track, you know, he's always smiling. You know, and you know, he just he knows he's he he knows he's at a place. You know in a series, you know, that, you know, not too many people, you know, get to not only race one series, but get to race multiple times, you know, in the three different series the way he does, you know, the opportunities just keep coming, you know, more and more, you know, so, I mean, yeah, he, he, he really embraces it and he really shows his appreciation for it. Yes, he does. Okay. We'll go right into our truck series review. Uh, race winner Ross Chastain, age 29, driving the number 41 Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Al Nice and Nice Motorsports with Gucci Cody Ifaw. Uh It was the 19th annual North Carolina Education Lottery 200. Uh, it was Ross's fourth victory in 99 Truck Series races. It's also his first victory in his first top 10 finish this season. And his first victory and third top ten finish in six races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Grant Infinger finished in second place. He did make the comment uh, because he pushed Ross uh, up to the lead. 
and he said he owes me one. <laughs> we'll see if uh, Ross pays him back. Uh, he posted his third top ten finish in six races at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and it's Grant Infinger's sixth top ten finish this year. John Hunter Nemechek finished third, posting his fourth top ten finish in six races at Charlotte. Lawless Allen, who finished 22nd, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, and uh, we talked about it, but when Faith Dale Carson knows about another heartache Friday night at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Nice Motorsports teammate Ross Chastain took full advantage with a serendipitous push from Grant Infinger. Uh, Ross Chastain won the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte Motor Speedway Friday night following an overtime restart. The win, again, was his first of the year and the first in Charlotte and the fourth truck win of his career. The final restart was set up following an accident between the leader, Carson Hosevar, and Ryan Priest. Hosevar got sideways, hit the wall, uh, of course, that dashed his hopes and of his first series win. Hosevar uh, had led a race-high 57 laps and appeared to be on route to the win. He held a six-second lead when the caution flag waved on lap 132 of the scheduled 134 laps. The following respect set up the Hosevar priest battle. Uh, the number 23, Grant Infinger, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Christian Eckie, Thane Smith, Tanner Gray, Kyle Busch, Chandler Smith, and Stuart Friesen, along with Ben Rhodes, were the remainder of the top ten finishers. Ty Majeski was the pole sitter. He ended up finishing in 13th place. Uh, stage one was won by Zane Smith. Stage two was won by Ben Rhodes. There were 15 lead changes among nine drivers and five caution flags for 25 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 125.827 miles per hour, and uh, the margin of victory was 0.102 seconds. So your thoughts there about the top 10 finishers in this race. Once again, Kyle Bush gets he's not the same Kyle Bush he's been in the in years past, you know, where he came into the truck series, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, racing, you know, and, and you know, he's like, you know, the one everybody's looking to he's the one to beat. He's not the one to beat anymore. I mean you got all these other drivers, you know, that are you know that are uh, They've caught up with him. You know, they've caught up with them. You know what? Um you know, for whatever reason, you know, he's not doing what he normally does. But for the series regulars, you know, you know, he's still got Grant Infinger, you know, who, who, you know, who, you know, congrats for him, you know, for picking up that second place. But I know for him, it probably felt good, you know, to get back, you know, in a, in that fashion. John Hunter Imachek, we're used to seeing him in this position last year, you know, with all those mm-hmm. good finishes. You know, of course, Zane Smith started off, you know, on fire and, um, you know, but you know, like you said, when you look up and down the, up and down the, um, you know the, the uh, finishing right. order, you know, you, you know, running order, you know, I used to see Matt Crafty, you know, down in 18th, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, 
you know, it's this series is just, you know what, you never know who's going to win, you know, week in and week out. So yeah, it's it's making for a really good. Uh, it's really making for a really good series. Now a couple of times in this season. Brennan Poole had a drive shaft issue. Uh, Keith McGee uh, had a problem with his suspension, and then two other drivers were caught up in accidents. Matt Mills ended his day on lap 57 in an accident, and then uh, Jesse Little uh, ended his day on lap 128. He, too, was involved in an accident there on the track. So uh, kind of minor compared to... uh, uh, all of the excitement of the race. Yes, exactly. Um, but the finish was really, <clears throat> excuse me, it went down to, well, it was going down to Priest and Kosovar, uh, you know, and, you know, it was really a good, uh, you know, a good battle, you know, until Carson made that, you know, huge mistake, you know, and ran into Priest, you know, and took them both out because, it was going to be a good finish. I mean, it was going to be hard to say, you know, who was going to, who was going to be the one, you know, to, uh, who was going to be the one to, you know, come get out the on win. Top. Yep. Yeah, come out Brian on top. Priest ended up, uh, uh, where did he end up finishing? Again. Brian, Brian Priest Brian ended Priest up, in, uh, ended in, up in 11th. 11th. Yeah, and Hosefire ended up finishing in 16th. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and cover the uh, driver points. Okay, then the driver points for the for the Captain uh, World Truck Series are um, John Hunter Nemechek leading the points with uh, one race win. Ben Rose is second with one race win, Faith Smith in third with three race wins, and then fourth is Chandler Smith with one race win, fifth is Stuart Friesen with the race win. That that rounds out the top five. Um, Dave Smith, of course, leading the series with uh, playoff points. He's got 20 on five stage wins. And then from there, then we go down to sixth is Ty Majeski, seventh is Christian Eckes, eighth is Carson Hosevar, Ninth is Grant Infinger and Matt Crafton uh, rounds out the top uh, top ten for the um, for the uh, um, for the chase at the end of the season. Exactly right. Uh, the drivers kind of sitting on the bottom of that cutoff line include Tanner Gray, Derek Krause, Matt DiBenedetto, Tyler Ingram, and Ryan Priest. Uh, that's part of why Ryan Priest was so upset. He had a chance to kind of pick up some points and kind of move himself up that list. And uh, that accident really uh, held him back from being able to do that. So you can understand why he'd be as disappointed as he was. Well, he also had a, he had a very good shot at the win and the, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, to, you know, to lock himself, you know, into the chase. In. Um, exactly. Most of our had this, Hosevar had the same thing. He was he was the he was a race leader before all the chaos started. You know, before that restart. You know, you know, it looked like he was going to get his first win. But you know what? You you once again in racing. You know what? It's not over till that checker flag falls. And and unfortunately, 
you know, we've seen what happened, you know, when, you know, you know, they both ended up uh, without the win. Yep. Yep. And it's not the first time. It probably won't be the last time. Uh, no, especially for Hosovar. Like we've seen him. Yeah, we've seen Hosovar come close all season long, you know, and uh, and like you said, it's not going to be the, uh, <clears throat> you know, this ain't the last time. Yeah. Sometimes you can win it so bad. Uh, you try too hard sometimes, and in the process of trying that hard, you end up making those kind of mistakes. So uh, hopefully uh, he will get a win somewhere down the road here, uh, and, and he's learning a lot. Uh, and I hope, I hope it's not like what you said, where he's been making the same mistakes uh, over several years. I hope that... Uh, there's a learning curve here, and he ends up uh, learning from those mistakes and, and getting better as a result. Uh, but uh, a very exciting race there at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Camping World Truck Series, uh, and uh, a big win for Ross Chastain. Yes, very, very big win for him, very big win. Okay. Uh, I know we're a little bit ahead. Uh, I'm wondering if we've got time to listen to some more audio since we are ahead. Um, the winner of the uh, Xfinity Series race was Josh Berry. Uh, again, Josh Berry uh, uh, had kind of a long interview, and uh, I don't think we'll be able to listen to the whole thing. He's the driver of the number eight junior motorsport Chevrolet. Uh, this was a big win, not just for Josh Berry, but for Junior Motorsports as well. Uh, and uh, I know they, hopefully they'll talk about it here in this interview. Uh, but let's hear what Josh Berry had to say after he won uh, in the Xfinity Series in the number eight. All right. We've now been joined by our race winner from today's Alsco Uniforms 300 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Josh Berry, who's driver number eight, Harrison Chevrolet. Congratulations, Josh, on that win. I know it uh, really feels nice to pull in a victory lane at Charlotte Better Speedway, which is the first time that a JRM car has won at Charlotte, so congratulations on that little record as well. Um, if you don't mind, give us a few quick um, kind of, you know, nuggets from your vantage point of those last few laps before we open up for questions. Yeah, I know, um, obviously, uh, Jim Sports has been on an amazing run the last last month or so, and a couple probably in the last six months. Um, I felt like we, you know, I actually felt like we had the best practice we've had all year yesterday. I thought we had a really good car. I felt really good about going today. But I'm not sure that I knew I could rip the fence for Char- at Charlotte for 200 laps. So, <laughs> I, uh, Man, that was phenomenal. The battle with Justin was so intense. It just seems like we had to find each other and race each other. Um, I knew the green flag cycle would be really important. Um, I tried to maximize as much as um, I could get in there. I'll, I probably left a little bit out there and that kind of worked against us, but it, I mean, I've never done a green flag this off here. So, um, you know, all in all, amazing day. The, uh, Really excited for Harrison's USA and the regionally based at the six stores here in the Carolinas. And I know they're excited to get to the regionally. All right. We're going to now go to questions. And we'll start with a question from Matt. 
Justin. I believe he came over to the Victory Lane to congratulate you, too. What is the racing like with him, and then what does he tell you in Victory Lane? Um, yeah, he just did a good job. And they acknowledge all our guys. You know, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, the reality of it is, it's like our cars are phenomenal right now, and there's five of us in the top five, seven, eight, whatever it is. You know, we're going to have to race each other. And um, more times than not, Justin and I seem to find each other in racing for these lands. And, you know, it was it was intense. But, um, you know, I respect Justin. Um, he's, a, he's a very underrated race car driver. He's very, he's very good. And, and um, you know, right now, the reality of it is, is that we're pushing each other to get better every week, and uh, that, that was a tough battle for sure. But um, you know, it come down to it, and it was a slip, and luckily I did. A lot of years of running races down the road in Concord, um, winning the first race for JRM here, winning a race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. How rewarding is it to make that transition from a Concord short track winner to Concord big track winner? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know me better than anybody, right? Like, I, um, I've been running up and down the East Coast, the Carolinas, Virginia, racing Lake Malls. I've accomplished a lot of amazing things, but the reality of it is I never knew I could do things like this. And um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I've, that I've received with Chamber of Sports to get here. And you know, they continue to believe in me for years. And we grinded away on the short tracks and um, just, just, never, just never let up. You know, just always trying to get better. And, um, you know, I'm learning more about myself now in the last two years than I ever have. And um, so thankful, just thankful to be here. And to win it, win at Charlotte's really special. We had a lot of, you know, obviously, like I said, Harrison's USA, a lot of guests from our sponsors, uh, family members, you know, employees at GMR Sports. They don't get to come every race. You know, I mean, it's, it's special. Like I said, I mean, it's always a special race around here. Mark, you go ahead. Josh, Motorsports Motorsports the first one in Charlotte and hard to believe for you and uh, what is it you're like to finally uh, get that monkey off the back yeah I know um, I'll be honest I've, I've been an employee at Universe since 2010 and I've seen a struggle a lot in Charlotte so I think we all knew this was going to be a great benchmark for where we were at as a company and um, I think I'll speak for everybody there I think it exceeded our expectations um, all of our cars were really good especially Justin and I know I had some trouble early on and I'm not really sure what happened to him. But um, at the end of the day, we're putting four cars, sometimes five, up front every week. And the reality of it is, is that the odds are odds are higher for contact and good races, but they're also a lot higher for wins and stage wins, and that's what we're trying to do. All right, we're going to continue with questions. We'll go in the back. Stephen, go ahead and get a
because the reality of it is you want to win for your team, but you're representing a lot of people uh, back in Mooresville that would love to see a one-two, not not both of us spun out in the, in the wall. So um, it's a tough balance. I'm learning, learning more about it every week. But um, you know, I'm just thankful to be here. I think we'll have fast cars right now, and we're just going to try to keep the solid down. All right, we're going to go to Stephen. Go ahead. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Josh, you, you talked about being at JRM for a long time. and you, You've also driven multiple cars over this organization. And, and in years past, it, it always felt like uh, one or two of JRM's cars would be ahead of where the other two were, say the, uh, say the one or the eight would be behind the nine and the seven a little bit, or, or vice versa. Now this season, all four have been extremely competitive and extras in the top five. What do you think that the difference has been this year to allow every car in the organization to be performing at uh, the same high level that they have? Yeah, um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously, and the race cars are super fast. And, I mean, everybody at the shops has worked really hard. We get a lot of support from Adrian Motorsports. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know behind the scenes what if anything's really changed uh, from last year. I'm not really sure to ask. But at the end of the day, I, I really honestly believe that all four of our teams are working together pretty well. It might not look like it, but and I think um, having four consistent drivers in the car every week is helping. And I think that Sam and I are, are helping, you know, push push Justin and, and Noah to get better, and they're, and they're pushing us to get better. And that's what I, I mean. It's healthy competition when you can run like that. It's tough on days like this. It's tough when things happen to each other. But at the end of the day, we're pushing each other to be better. And if I don't win, I want one of them to win. And you know, it's across the board. Noah and Justin and Sam as well. Sam's been, you know, knocking on the door. Right? He's gonna win. And after he wins, he's probably gonna be off to the races after that. So uh, we're just gonna keep just trying to to work and keep our head down and get better. Okay, again, that was Josh Berry. Just to kind of put it in perspective, Junior Motorsports did have, <clears throat> excuse me, a pretty fantastic day. Um, uh, from the green flag to the checker flag, Sam Mayer started from the pole position. He ended up finishing third. Barry won the first stage. Justin Algauer won the second stage, giving Junior Motorsports its 10th consecutive stage victory that extends the series record that they established last week at Kansas Speedway. Five drivers led laps on Saturday. Four of them were junior motorsports drivers. Barry led the race high 89 laps, followed by Justin Algauer with 63, Noah Gregson for 36, and two for Mayer. Gregson dropped off the lead lap when he uh, had a cylinder go down, but with power seemingly restored, he was able to recover and finish in fourth place. So it was a big, big day, again, for Junior Motorsports. So what are your thoughts about the interview, uh, Sal, and about the day for Junior Motorsports? Yeah, the interview is very interesting. You know, he spoke a lot, you know, about the, you know, how the day went, you know, and, you know, I had, uh, and, you know, especially, you know, with about the team, you know, how well the team clicked, you know, um, you know, for this race, you know, with the, with the finishes they, you know, that they got, um, you know, so it was a good, good, solid, good, solid day for Josh, you know what, and, uh, 
you know, it was a well-deserved win. What I didn't understand was why Noah was so upset with Jeb Burton at the end of the race. Yeah, I didn't see the race, so I can't really comment on it. Uh, did they have words afterwards? Is that it? Well, basically, Noah went on Twitter and said that, that Jeb needs to uh, <clears throat> go back to um, – Go back to uh, I, I don't know. It was it was pretty pretty childish. Um, okay, well I'm not sure see, what I, happened. I, I, uh, yeah, here I can tell you right now. I I, I just had the quote right here and 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 um, oh here it is. Uh, well, this is. Oh, here okay. it is. Um, oh, Jeb said it best with his blank check comments, swapped their equipment, and Noah would have the same results as Jeb. Maybe Noah should actually focus on not being a lifer in the NASCAR B-Series. <laughs> well, this was after... Yeah, this was after... Sometimes... Sometimes uh, you know. emotions are high after uh, so I'm not sure was there an incident between them. You know what? I I went back, couldn't find anything, okay. and um, you know I just I was, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow, you know what? I wonder what happened. You know that that caused Noah. Noah obviously said something. Yeah. You know, Jim, well, you know, to make them, you know, say something like that. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, a big, it was a big win for Josh Berry. And uh, he talks about his racing career and uh, how much Junior Motorsports has believed in him and his racing career. And uh, he's another driver just happy to be where he is and being able to race. He's age 31 years old, driving the number eight here from USA Chevrolet for Dale Earnhardt Jr. and crew chief Mike Baumgartner. Uh, Barry won the 42nd, I'm sorry, the 41st annual Alstor Uniforms 300 for his fourth victory in 42 Xfinity Series starts. His second victory and seventh captain finished this second season, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Ty Gibbs finished second, uh, posting his second top 10 finish in two races at Charlotte, and his seventh top 10 finish this year. Sam Mayer finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Charlotte, and Sheldon Creed, who finished in eighth place, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, for the Xfinity Series, uh, again, this race was uh, very exciting. Uh, the, the margin of victory was huge, um, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, Josh Berry crossed the finish line at Charlotte, giving Junior Motorsports its first NASCAR Xfinity Series win at the home track. Uh, second place, Ty Gibbs, was just reaching the 200-foot-long Speedway TV screen television on the backstretch 
when Josh Berry was crossing the finish line. Uh, in the thrilling battle with his junior motorsports teammate, Josh Berry won the Xfinity Series race uh, for his second win of the season and his first <clears throat> Charlotte. Junior Motorsports has won four of the last five races this season. Ty Gibbs again finished second more than 18 seconds behind the race leader. We haven't heard of a gap that big in a long, long time. So the pole sitter Sam Mayer finished in third place, followed by Noah Gregson and Ryan Priest round out the top five. It was Daniel Hemrick finishing in sixth place, the final car on the lead lap. Justin Algauer finished in seventh after pitting late in the race for a flat white rear tire. Sheldon Creed finished eighth, followed by Trevor Bain, Myatt Snyder, and Myatt Snyder to round out the top ten. Barry and Algauer won the first two stages, making it five straight races that Junior Motorsports has won the opening two stages of the race. There were 12 lead changes among five drivers and eight cautions for 44 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 117.557 miles per hour. Uh, so your thoughts about that race results and the huge gap between first and second. Yeah, it was a it was a really good race for Josh Berry once again. You know, congrats to him. You know, and and you know, I mean, you know, with, with, when you don't have those late race those late race cautions, you know, drivers you know that are out there can, you know, especially when they're on, you know, when their car is hooked up the way Josh Berry's was, you know, you know they can make those. Uh, you know, the difference between first and second really big. Um, you know, once again, you know, it's good to, you know, good to hear, you know, how, you know, the junior motorsports teams are performing this year. Um, going to see Ryan Priest make a comeback, you know, when it finished mm-hmm. fifth after, you know, after what happened to him, you know, the day before at the, uh, you know, during the truck race. So, uh, I mean, Matt Snyder picking up, you know, a 10th place finish. Trevor Bain, who's come back to race, you know, in the uh, in the Xfinity Series, you know, to get his. But to see Sheldon Creed finally get a good finish, you know, he's been, gosh, he's had so much bad luck this whole season, you know, and I'm sure that top 10 really helped him and, you know, really, you know, added to, you know, going forward in the season, you know, really helped him, you know, with his uh, – you know, as far as his, his confidence level and, you know, and, and uh, you know, just needs to put some, you know, put some races together, you know, hopefully grab that one win that he needs or, um, you know, fight for that, for that spot in the points, you know, and keep fighting for it, you know, so he can make the, uh, so he can um, make the uh, chase at the end of the season. Yes, that is true. Uh so why don't you go ahead and hit the uh, points report here. We're kind of running short on time now. We were ahead and now right. we're short. <clears throat> All right. The points is uh, A.J. Allmendinger is in first, uh, followed by one race win, followed by Noah Gregson with two race wins, followed by Ty Gibbs with three race wins. Uh 
From there, we go to Justin Allgaier sitting in fourth with one race win, and Josh Berry picked up his second race win and is now sitting in fifth place. And to round out the top six is Sam, Sam Mayer with the zero race wins. And then from there, we go to Brandon Jones, who has a race win. Austin Hill, eighth with the race win. Riley Herbst, ninth. Daniel Hamrick, tenth. Eleventh is Landon Castle. And twelfth is Ryan Sieg in the, uh, in the uh, bubble spot. Yes, that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, who's on the cast? Who's on the what? Cast. Oh, Ryan Sieg is 12th, and then right below is Anthony Alfredo. He's 40, uh, looks like he's 48 points behind him. Behind Ryan Sieg for that, for that 12th spot, for the bubble spot. And then behind Anthony Alfredo is Jeb Burton. Okay, so uh, that's what we need to watch, I think, for the upcoming races is the people that are on those bubbles uh, because any one of them could get a win. And if they are able to do that, uh, that could mean that uh, they jump themselves right above some of those drivers that are currently uh, on top of the line. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how many points, um, you know, Alvin Deger has 530 points, but only seven playoff points. And Ty Gibbs has 490 points that have 17 playoff points, two stage wins. Noel Gregson has 16 playoff points and six stage wins. Mm-hmm. And then next in line is Josh Berry with 14 playoff points with only four stage wins. Wow. Okay, so uh, this is going to be a fun point battle to watch if uh, they continue to wipe this down. How many races in are they now? Uh, we are 13 races in. So these guys, uh, their season is starting to wind down. And as we get closer to the playoffs, it's going to be that more intense. Oh, yeah, definitely going to get more intense as, as we start getting closer, like you said, you know, closer to the to the cutoff. Um, you know, uh, some of these drivers, you know, Castle, Sieg, Alfredo, Jeb Burton, you know, Sheldon Creed, you know, they, they, you know they're going to be the ones that are going to be battling for that last spot. Um, Sheldon Creed sitting at 15th right now in points. And we all know that Sheldon Creed can pull off a win, you know, along with um, Daniel Hammer, who still hasn't have, has, still doesn't have a win this season. So um, it's going to be interesting as the season goes on to see how these, how these drivers, uh, you know, how they attack the last part of the season. Yes. It is going to be interesting to see how how every driver strategizes um, going forward. Uh, not only the ones that don't have wins, uh, those guys want to strategize and do everything they can to get into uh, the post-race uh, playoffs. But those drivers that uh, already have the wins, uh, how many of them will go for that second or third win 
uh, and uh, kind of gives them sort of that cushion going into the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's so true. You know, I mean, you know, you're already in, you know, what you got to think about those playoff points because we've seen in years past how important those playoff points are, you know, once the, once the chase starts, once you get out of the first round, you know, you get into the second and third round, you know, those playoff points, you know, can be the, you know, that, that could be the, the game changer right there. Yeah, it really could be. Uh, and uh, it, uh, believe me, a lot of these drivers and teams are already uh, strategizing for how they're going to make those things happen. Let's get into uh, the Cup Series because uh, the Cup Series race uh, was pretty exciting as well. Denny Hamlin uh, came home the winner in the uh, Cup Series, the NASCAR Cup Series, and uh, uh, had a fantastic race. Uh, uh, He's starting from the pole and and ended up winning. Uh, He started first in the beginning and ended first at the end. Uh, At the age of 41, driving the number 11 FedEx Ground Toyota for Coy Gibbs and crew chief Samuel McCauley, Denny Hamlin won the 63rd annual Coca-Cola 600 for his 48th victory in 592 Cup Series races. It is his second victory and third top 10 finish this year, his first victory and 20th top 10 finish in 31 races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch came in second. He posted his 21st top 10 finish in 34 races at Charlotte and his 10th top 10 finish this season. Kevin Harvick uh, finished in third place, posting his 21st top 10 finish in 40 races at Charlotte. Harrison Burton, who finished 11th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, This race in the uh, Cup Series, uh, it was an exciting uh, uh, race, even though Denny Hamlin uh, was pretty much dominant. He had to overcome some chaos in order to win a very wild Coca-Cola 600 on Saturday night at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, What happened in between uh, the green flag and the checkered flag defied belief, and a driver who who claims to thrive in chaos proved to be a man of his word. Hamlin won the longest race in NASCAR history at 619.5 miles in two overtimes, beating Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Kyle Busch to the finish line by just .014 seconds. So Denny Hamlin won uh, the Coke 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, his second win of the year, and the first at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, Bush finished second, followed by Kevin Harvick, Chase Briscoe, and Christopher Bell. Then it was Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell, Kyle Larson, and Alex Bowman rounding out the top ten. Hamlin started for the pole, but only led four laps on the night. The race ended after the second overtime attempt. Uh, they were forced into overtime initially after a question came out. With two laps remaining, second place number 14, Chase Briscoe, spun while attempting to take the lead from Larson. In the first overtime attempt, 
Austin Dillon made a move on Kyle Larson for the lead coming to the white flag, but he got loose and the field bunched up. Larson then got into Dillon, sending him into the outside wall, collecting both drivers as well as several others. Hamlin took the lead just before the initial caution came out. Uh, Kyle Busch took the lead at the white flag again, but Hamlin was able to get back around him for the checkered flag. The race was red flagged with 54 laps remaining after a wreck sent the 17 of Busher flipping through the infield. His car came to a rest upside down, and it took several minutes to get it turned over and to get him out of the car. Stage one was won by Chase Elliott, stage two by Daniel Suarez, and stage three was won by Ross Castain. There were 31 lead changes among 13 drivers, 18 cautions, and 90 yellow flag laps. The um, uh, time of the race was 5 hours, 16 minutes, and 16 seconds. The average speed of the race, 118.703 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts about the uh, race results there, Sal? You still with us, Sal? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm here, Sharon. I just had to pick up my phone. Uh, it fell on the floor. Oh, okay. I was just wondering what your thoughts were about the uh, oh, yeah. race results. <laughs> Once again, Danny Hamlin, he just, it's like they say, it's, it's, it's better to be lucky sometimes than good. Find himself in the right spot at the right time it, during that, that yep. uh, um, you know, during that um, uh, restart, and uh, you know, Kyle just Kyle made it made it go at it. Just didn't have enough, you know, to get at him. And uh, you know, it was it was good to see you know Kevin Harvick finally you know get a, get a top five finish out of it. You know, pull a top five out. But um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you know, um, I I don't know what. Austin Dillon's spotter told him, you know, are you clear? Are you not clear? Because I, Austin was fast enough. He could have waited one more lap and made a clean pass instead of moving up, you know, as fast as he did, you know, to take out, you know, Kyle Larson. I know, I know Kyle Larson probably couldn't have been that happy about that. Um, I'm not sure he wasn't. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, you know, I'm, it was just, uh, it was just, it was, it was an unfortunate, unfortunate turn of events, you know, at the end of the race. But I guess, you know, you'll, it'll go down, you know, as, uh, you know, the longest in history. And, oh yeah, I don't even know how long was that race. After all, I didn't even see the time. Uh, five the hours, time of, thirteen uh, minutes and eight seconds. Well, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine being behind the wheel of that car for five hours. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the San Diego would do. 619 miles. So Where's it went almost 20 miles. Day, so. Yeah, so by the time we came home, distance. by the time we came home, you know, the brakes were just standing. I was like, wow, that thing should have been over like an hour and a half ago. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it definitely was long. A lot of accidents in this race. 
Uh, when I read the accident list, it goes all the way up to uh, 20th place. So almost half of the field was involved either in a mechanical issue or some kind of accident on the track. Uh, so that's uh, actually, uh, yeah, almost half of the field. So I won't go over all of them, uh, but let's go ahead and hit the points report before we run out of time. All right. The points report is uh, Chase Elliott is still leading the points with one race win. Second is Ross Chastain with two two race wins. Third is Kyle Busch with one race win. Fourth is Ryan Blaney, who hasn't gotten a win this season yet. Martin Truex Jr., who doesn't have a win. Joey Logano, who has one win. William Byron, seventh, who has two wins. And Alex Bowman, eighth, with one win. That rounds up the top eight. Um, and then from there, then we go down to Kyle Larson, who has one race win. Christopher Bell, tenth, with zero race wins. Kevin Harvick, 11th with zero race wins. Tyler Reddick, zero race wins in 12th. 13th is Chase Briscoe uh, with one race win. He's locked in. 14th is Eric Almirola with zero race wins and Austin Dillon. And rounding out the top 16 is uh, Eric Jones with uh, zero race wins. Um, Actually, Eric is... Eric, actually, Eric is out because Danny Hamlin has a two race wins. That's so right. So he'll, he'll automatically – actually, it'll be um, Austin Dillon's out too because you got Austin Sidrick and you got Kurt Busch who both have mm-hmm. race wins. So you, you, you would push right. Tyler Reddick. You would push uh, Eric Almirillo, Austin Dillon, and Eric Jones are all out. Right exactly right, because you've got drivers that are below the cutoff line. A lot of people yeah. wondered if Denny was going to be able to uh, kind of recover. Uh, he's up to 17th place uh, and two wins, so that definitely helps him. Uh, I wanted to see where Brad Keselowski is. Brad Keselowski is 30th uh, right now. If he were able to get a win, uh, it could help him get in, but there's not that many spots to open. Yeah, that's true because we already got uh we got sixteen going in. We got one, two, three, four. Eleven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We already got eleven drivers in, so there's only five spots. Exactly. Five spots left. And you got you got two drivers who Martin Trucks Junior who still doesn't have a win. And uh, wondering when Kevin, Kevin Harvick's going to break that winless streak. Yeah, to break that yeah. winless streak. Yeah, you'd think he, he would. Uh, so, yeah, Christopher Bell could still win. Uh, they, I can't wait to see how this continues to play out. We're 14 races in. So we're, we've already started the second half of the regular season. Uh, I think there's uh, 12 more races left in order to fill those uh, five spots. And it's very feasible. We could see five more winners here in the uh, uh, Cup Series. Yes, we, yeah, we could. I mean, Ryan Blaney is, is, is another one that's still winless, too. So, uh you know, it's 
Yeah, you start it's to really feel down and uh Yeah, it is. I mean what an amazing season for you know, for some of these drivers, you know, that are having I mean, we never expected to see Danny Hamlin outside the outside the sixteen, even even with the two wins. You know, without mm-hmm. the two wins, you know, he he you know, he would still be clawed his way to get, you know, into the top sixteen, but you know, the two wins, you know, he's already put himself in. Um you know, Kurt Bush, you know, with his one win, you know, that, that you know, locks him in. But I mean to see Martin Truex Junior go this long without a win. Um Kevin Harvard to still be winless. Yes. And uh and uh um Chase Elliott with still only one win. And Kyle Larson with only one win. Yes. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting uh, to see how these next 12 races uh, continue. And if we do get five more new winners, and it would be the first time, I think, uh, that we filled the field with all race winners for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to, and to think that Ross Chastain and William Byron are are leading the are, are tied with 13 points on playoff points. When we're used to I seeing know. Martin Truex Jr., you know, just Martin Truex Jr. only has playoff points so far this year. Which is amazing because when he won the championship, he was the playoff king. He had a bunch of playoff points. Uh, but we yeah, I think he had 20-something. 20, 20 yeah, he, was, he had uh, a bunch of them. We're at the top of the hour sound, and that means it is time for our NASCAR hot topic sound off. Uh, I don't know if you can stay on with us, but we have an open spot if you're available. Uh, I can't this week. One of these weeks, I'm gonna, I am gonna do it. Okay, uh, just know that you're always invited for sure. You're gonna be okay. a- able to go to the racetrack this week. I think I might go to Orange Show. They're supposed to have a memorial race. I'm not too sure yet. Um, I've okay. got to see how, how my work week goes, how my work week plays out. Okay. Well, since we didn't get Joe Graff Jr. on tonight, just know uh, he is rescheduled to next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. Okay. We'll see you then. Thanks, Sal, for being here. Always fun. All right. Okay, good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right, good night. Okay, all right. Okay, goodbye. Good night. Okay, we are at uh, 9.01 or 10.01, 10.02 now. Uh, That means that it is fast time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for that tonight is, uh, let's start with uh, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Appreciate it. Uh, here on a Tuesday night. Uh, been a while since we've done a Tuesday night show, but with the Memorial Day holiday, which hopefully everybody remembered what that was about as we honored our fallen troops. NASCAR does a great job with that, so that was really great to see over the course of the weekend. Yes, indeed. And then also uh, joining us is uh, Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. It's good to have you back. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Glad to be on. Okay. 
Well, we're going to start off with uh, some hot topics from the weekend of racing. Uh, Jay, let's have you kick us off this week. Well, this one wasn't uh, wasn't on the fan board itself. Just overall, though, what we thought of the racing at Charlotte, specifically the Coca-Cola 600. And, and the reason I bring this up, and I really wish Mike had been able to come on tonight. I know I didn't get to, he didn't respond to my question, but he said he thought it was an outstanding race. So I'm just curious what everybody else's thoughts were on that and why. Okay, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I agree. I think this was one of the best, one of the better Coca-Cola 600s in the recent years, for sure. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it was. I mean, I'm going to go over a few things that I liked about it, of course. But um, the only negative to the Coca-Cola 600 was the the amount of wrecks, I think. There was like 17 or 18 cautions, and it happened to be the longest Coca-Cola 600. Um, But... Mm Hey, it was entertaining there till the very end. I mean, there was videos of the all-star race circulating two weeks ago with Kyle Busch um, and all them in, like, the 2007-2008 uh, race, how you could run down the uh, the leader. I was kind of seeing that at Charlotte on Sunday. It looked like the leader would get a one-and-a-half-second lead, and then 10, 15 laps go by, and the next thing you know, there'd be a new leader. And Briscoe was going to get Larson there at the end, I think, um, had there not been a caution. Austin Dillon almost won it there at the end, too. Um, I mean, it was it was a good race. It was very entertaining there. The people were able to pass. You were able to catch the leader. Calls. I feel like some of the past Charlotte races were kind of like most of the other Texas, Vegas, and Kansas races where whoever has the fastest car just jumps out to the lead and gets a two or three second lead and it's game over. Now, I know not all of them go that way, but it does feel like a lot of them do that. However, this race is not like that. The leader would get a lead and then the next guy would run him down. Um, Denny Hamlin got his other crown jewel. Um, Now he just needs to win in Indianapolis. But, uh, and he's won a championship, and he'll have the complete career there. But that was a great race. In fact, I'm all for them not racing at Texas next year. Bring the whole week back at Charlotte where you do the all-star race, the (laughs) Open, and then do the Coca-Cola 600. I think they should do that um, next year. I mean, it's at least worth a shot. I mean, the race was that good. It was packed. Um, There was even a flip, Chris Buescher's flip. I mean, I know Rex aren't. You know, something that should be hyped up or whatever you want to call it. But he did flip, and he's okay, and it was just just, just a great race. Okay. Unfortunately, I was not able to watch any of the racing over the weekend, this past weekend. Uh, I'm still in Texas uh, on some family time. And so uh, I was uh, enjoying the time with my grandson. So I can't really comment on it. I did notice there were a lot of accidents uh, when I looked at the uh, results uh, from the race. I All the way up to 20th, uh, somebody was involved in an accident and uh, was not able to finish the race. Uh, so there were only, what, 19 cars 
they were able to finish the race. Uh, everybody else either was involved in an accident or they um, had problems, mechanical issues. So it seemed to me like it was, and I'm looking at it not at the race at all, but just at the stats. Seems to me like it was a race of attrition, um, but uh, it sounds like uh, you know from everything we've heard from everybody uh, that it was an exciting race, and a lot of people were uh, pretty happy uh, with what they saw at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Jay, what was your take on it? Well, and, and here's the reason I brought it up. As I mentioned, Mike put it was an outstanding race. He is one that typically isn't a fan of some of the races. Kind of along the lines of what Tommy said, and, and I don't want to put any words in his mouth. Um, I, that's why I, I guess he didn't get a chance to respond when I asked what made it a good race for him or an outstanding race. I have seen good racing throughout the year, uh, which is why I didn't understand why this one was that much more. Other than and I'm going to, I guess, kind of be stereotypical of, of, of some fans, but it did have, like Tommy mentioned, a lot of crashes, uh, kind of like Talladega and Daytona. I understand that that provides something for some fans, but to me that takes away um, the actual racing. Now, some of it did happen because they were racing so close, so tight. Uh, as you mentioned, a couple of times it was guys going for the lead and uh, I'll, I'll put that in another topic there. but So I saw that at Charlotte. I am not disputing that at all. My question is, is I've seen that throughout the year of why others, Mike been included, hasn't felt the same about other races. Um, Tommy mentioned Texas. Now, Texas did get a little strung out. I know it was in just the all-star race. Um, so, yeah, th- there are certain tracks. But to me... You know, and I think Dave Moody always puts it, was it a bad race because your driver didn't win because he wrecked out, or was it truly a bad race? We had a close finish. It wasn't a side-by-side photo finish, but there was some action and, and closing action and battle there in the last lap or two. You're not going to get that every race, okay? Uh, you know, we think back to Sharon and I have talked about this, that Darlington race between Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven goes down in the – as one of the best finishes all time in the history of NASCAR to a lot of us. You're not going to get that every race. Uh, so that's what I don't think that should be your, your clarification. I think of baseball, it's not if you have a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth or uh, football, you know, a two-minute drive in the final fourth quarter. Yeah, when that happens, it is exciting. But does that the only way it makes it a good game or a good race? I don't think so. And that's why I wanted to know what it was that Mike saw. I, there was definitely, in my opinion, racing throughout. But like I said, I think I've seen we've seen that throughout the year. The new car, um, some other teams being able to come upon it. Michael McDowell qualified into the top ten. Um, I think that was his first time advancing in in this uh, qualifying format. I think this he year. finished in the uh, top ten too. Okay, I, you know, I hadn't seen where he actually finished. I had only pulled out our drivers for the fantasy group. But, again, we've seen that. These teams having good days for them. They're not quite to that week-in and week-out top five, but the top tens, top fives, as they start piling up, as we've seen, eventually they're going to be winners. You know, uh, we're still waiting on Tyler Reddick. He's stuck in that top five position. And he's going to get that win eventually. So it's progression. So I'm really excited about that. But I've seen that all year. It wasn't just in this race. 
Okay. Uh, Tommy, do you have any follow-up? Yeah, this, this race just had everything that it needed. I mean, um, it really did come down there to the end. There was only like 15 cars maybe on the lead lap because due to all the, the accidents and everything and cars a lap down and damaged. So there was only like 15 cars that could have, uh, you know, gone for it there. But um, that just shows the Coca-Cola 600 and what it's all about because, I mean, Chase Elliott won stage one. He, then he was like wrecked out. I think Chastain won stage two and then he wrecked out. And then whoever won stage three, I'm not sure where they ended up, but I mean, I mean, it just yeah, but was Daniel Suarez. Yeah, then he wrecked out. So <laughs> it was crazy. It was like that throughout the whole night. Uh, I thought Kyle Larson was going to win it, and then he got caught up with Austin Dillon's wreck. Um, what was it, like two green white, uh, green white checkers to decide the the win. I believe um, they had to do two attempts at it before Denny Hamlin won, if I remember correctly. But just all around entertaining, good race. Um, it, Like you said, Jay, the car, I mean, I think that is doing a lot of it, just like how 10, 15 years ago in 2002-8, it was the, that, that, that car. So the racing has been good throughout the year. I'm just glad to see that at Charlotte, where the Coca-Cola 600 is, you know, every year, of course, and the, where the all-star race was, that race was that entertaining. Um, I think they should bring the all-star race back to Charlotte, make it that one whole week there again like it used to be. And um looks like Charlotte's back, NASCAR's back. Uh, that was a great race. <laughs> um, had everything you needed in it. It had the big wrecks. There was like two or three of them, a flip. Um three or four different stage winners and then a two or three overtimes and then a winner, 10 cars left. I mean, there were people like Cole Custer and Austin Dillon and Daniel Suarez that all had shots to win the race at one point and Ricky Stenhouse, Michael McDowell. I mean, you just couldn't ask for a better race. Okay. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. I will say it was uh, 19 cars that actually finished. Uh, well, actually, it was 18 cars. Uh, two of the cars finished 412 laps. Um, and then the, all the rest of the cars finished uh, 413 laps. So 16 cars finished all 413 laps. Uh, Eric Amarillo and Cody Ware finished 112. And then after that, uh, the number goes down, uh, and so 18 cars actually finished uh, this race. Uh, there were a whole lot of accidents that took out uh, drivers like uh, Chris Buescher, uh Justin Haley, uh, Daniel Suarez, you mentioned him, also involved in accidents, uh, Austin Dillon, uh, Cole Custer, and Joey Logano. Uh, other accident victims, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, and Chase Elliott. And there was also uh, Austin Cindric, Corey LaJoy, and Josh Balicki, all involved in the accidents. Uh, three drivers, DVP, uh, that includes uh, Bubba Wallace, 
much. Um, I guess that was Chase Elliott uh, involved in that. And then uh, also Brian Priest. And then a couple people had mechanical issues, uh, engine problems for Justin Haley, a throttle issue for Noah Gregson. Uh, so, and then uh, just so many people involved in accidents and mechanical problems. Um, but like Tommy said, this is the longest race of the year. It's all about, uh, it's not just your racing ability, it's about the stamina uh, and how your team strategizes to be there uh, by the end of the race in order to win it. And uh, obviously the team that did that this year, Denny Hamlin, uh, coming home with his second win of the season. So I guess it's, it sounds like it was exciting for a lot of folks, and uh, I trust that. So um, we'll see if they can bring the all-star race back to uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway anytime soon. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, before I slide back off onto that uh, other topic there, um, one of the things I look at, I, I would have preferred it not have been due to some of the bigger accidents we talked about. Um, but it was close racing that brought those accidents up, uh, about. So that becomes part of it. You mentioned, and I know a lot of people want to say, you know, back in, the, back in the day, the good old days, that was part of it, of <laughs> your car being able to last. Okay, we haven't seen that issue as much in uh, many years. These cars are almost indestructible when it comes to the motors or just having that mechanical problem. Um, I would rather have seen it come from that than the big accidents like we had that took out some top contenders. Because I think it was Kyle Busch. It might have been Denny Hamlin in his post-race, but I think it was Kyle Busch that, you know, he said, hey, we really didn't belong here. Uh, you know, but then we had drivers like Kyle Larson that overcame so many things, especially in that first half of the race. But that's part of it being that long a race. So that's part of it. You, you mentioned the endurance, the length of it, the stamina. So, and seeing the different strategies, keeping up with the track, whether your car is handling the way you need it to, whether it peaks too early in the daylight and doesn't handle well at night. So that is all part of the package of the 600. Um, and I don't know if we want to do this as a separate topic then of the, the all-star race coming back to uh, to Charlotte. Uh, if you'd like, we can, we can go on to that. Okay. Uh, go ahead and make your comments there, Jay. I, the, the thing is, I understand Tommy being the lead uh, voice uh, here, especially a fan for racing, doesn't want to see it at Texas anymore. Got that. But the fans didn't want to see it at Charlotte no more either. That's why they took it away. Uh, and I think about, and I granted things have changed. The new car, their, their racing wasn't, supposedly wasn't good at Charlotte. That's why they did the Roval. So I think fans need to be careful what they ask for and, you'll be aware of what they have and want to not have it and then want it back. Uh, I just caution about that. I would still rather see it. And I know it's a logistic thing. Two, three years at said track, whatever it be, Texas, if you feel it didn't work. Okay. We've had it there. Is this, was this the third year move it? I'm, I got no problem with that. Um, I, I'm not as negative about it as the way it was as some, but I have no problem with them taking it away now and giving that opportunity to another facility. So uh, especially maybe a track we either don't go to at all or only has one date. Miami Homestead comes to mind. 
Um, but then there's tracks like Iowa that doesn't even, don't even have a cup date. So that's still my stance on that. Uh, like I said, I, Texas had its shot. Whether you thought it was good or bad, it lasted three years. Move it. Uh, give somebody else that shot. Okay, Tommy. Well, there are so many options for the all-star race. Um, I just like the idea that going back to Charlotte to do the whole week, just like how there used to be a Daytona Speed Week, that now the Bush Clash kind of interrupts uh, with it being at the Coliseum. I mean, I'm all fine for I'm fine for it at the Coliseum. That was great. Um, the road course last year wasn't bad, and the Bud shoot, Shootout, the way it used to be, isn't bad. So I'm all for all three of those options. But for the all-star race, I just, I don't know what needs to happen to Texas, but just the last few races there have not been that good, like the last few years. That's just my opinion. I know everybody has an opinion, but mine is, is I just don't think Texas is a great race. Um, it's just one that I don't know why the all-star race is there, in my opinion. I mean, uh, it makes more sense at Charlotte with the all-star race and uh, then doing the Coca-Cola 600 uh, the week after. And um, I mean, Charlotte is considered the home of racing, just like Daytona is the Super Bowl. I feel like you need to have as many races at Charlotte and Daytona as you can because of those reasons. And also just thinking outside of the box for the all-star race, the Bristol race with the under light glow, that was really cool. And I think they did that three years ago during COVID, I believe. That was a good all-star yeah. race. And I thought it was entertaining. And I, I, if they want to rotate it, that's cool. Uh, I think another one that you could throw into it, when I think of all-star race, you know, you think of the big, bigger cities in my opinion. So why not try Las Vegas? Um, I see Texas is a good option because of that reason, too. Um, Charlotte, just because it's the home of, you know, most of the drivers and everything. And Bristol would be a great one. And what about Chicagoland, maybe, because outside of Chicago? I mean, there's just a lot of options to do for an all-star race. Sharon, did we lose you? Okay, we got some type of audio here. Sharon, are you still here? Yeah, I'm here. Um, okay. Okay, so my my thought on this has to do with um, uh, having the all-star race at Shadow Motor Speedway. Uh, I'm they moved it from there because I think fans were complaining about it being at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But, of course, that was with the old car. Uh, I suppose with the new car, uh, now it makes sense, especially after having the exciting race that, that they saw with the uh, Coca-Cola 600. Um, but uh, I, I don't see a problem with rotating it if they want to rotate it as well. So I don't have a whole lot to say there about 
Well, I certainly do. Like I said, I am in favor of it rotating. That was the original intent and design behind it. However, a very strong case can be made for it returning to Charlotte, especially if we have better on-track racing. But the second thing is, as we talked about it, it being home for most of the teams, and then your your crews, your pit crews, your garage guys, and the, all the family mm-hmm. can be more directly involved. And And I do think there is something for that. So there again, if it were to be moved back to Charlotte permanently, I wouldn't be against that either. Because I know what that is for, for these teams that are the folks that work on the teams that don't get to travel with the team and be there at the track week in, week in and week out. Um, so I think that was a huge thing. And we've seen that. You know, Tommy mentioned uh, we're back when we talk about speed weeks. You could go for the entire week or two weeks um, to be a part of all kinds of action there. And that was the case with Charlotte. I know a couple teams, even with the COVID protocols, did some modifications. Uh, I know RFK had their uh, open house uh, there at the shop. So there is something to be said for that, and I think it was a good thing the way it was being done. So maybe, like you said, Sharon, with the with the racing uh, having changed at least, uh, appearingly so, um, on Charlotte Motor Speedway, maybe we do see that. And, I, and I'm okay with that. And I fully, like I said, I understand. I think it was great for the teams themselves. If you wanted to take a sh- uh, vacation to Charlotte during that time frame, a uh, good two mm-hmm. weeks to be doing it because there's a lot going on. There really is. And I noticed they still did the uh, all the different fan appreciation events as well uh, this week. So I think, I think it's fantastic if they leave it there. Uh, it's just kind of funny that, uh, you know, in the last year or so, so many people were advocating for it to be somewhere else. Uh, but I think minds are, are changing. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Tommy, what do, you, what do you want to go with? Well, let's bring up, um, uh, I guess, can we do two parts on this one, too? So there's a link that Mike posts. Uh, Michael Waltrip going to be in the booth at Gateway. And then I basically just wanted to add to that, um, it's going to be the first race at Gateway for the Cup level, and I guess, well, I know that the Bush Series and Truck Series used to go there, but I I'm, don't know if Cup's ever been there. So let's talk about that. Okay, Jay, your thoughts about Michael Waltrip in the booth? I, I've never had a problem with him, just like with some of the others we've talked about. Yeah, I know some of his antics are a little goofy, uh, but I don't see it any different than Clint Boyer. You know, we've talked about that occasionally. He gets a little out there. Um, what I don't like to see, and I know Mike is already, I'm trying to, let me see where what his response to it was. Um, uh, let's see, here we go. NASCAR, we are a serious world-class premier racing season. Sure, Fox, go ahead and make your broadcast of our product an unbearable clown show. I just... I don't know. I, I still, I guess I don't critique the broadcasting to that level. Uh, and I know he's got that as a separate hot topic on the Xfinity series, but I think Michael Waltrip, like, and he does the truck races. I think he brings a lot of knowledge. Yes. Occasionally he is a little goofy. Some of it, he gets paid to do that. I mean, the, the whole pit walk, that was the design and intent of that. If you don't like it, don't watch that part of it. But I think he'll be just fine. 
Uh, like I said, I don't think there's any that have been in the booth that I'd say, hey, I don't ever want to see in the booth ever, ever again. Okay. Um, yeah, I think um, the other comment that uh, Michael said here was, today was a great showcase of three of the biggest racing series in the world. F1 has the worst racing product, but by far the best broadcast. NASCAR has by far the best racing but also by far the worst broadcast. IndyCar is somewhere in the middle. Uh, that's kind of the way he sees it. Uh, I, I do think that there is room for improvement with the Fox broadcast. Uh, there was um, maybe another post here uh, where they talked about uh, Kevin Harvick, who was in the booth this week, practically begging them to go to the racing action, uh, and he talks about that, too. It was a good clip from today's race that kind of highlights part of the problem with the race broadcast. They're showing everything but the great battle on the track. Uh, that happens to be between the two fastest cars as they battle for the lead. It takes Harvick practically begging them to focus on the action to finally get it on screen. This absolutely has to stop. This is from Mike Orzel. Uh, he does go on to say, I don't know if they have a contractual requirement that they have to show certain cars for a certain amount of screen time or what, but Fox missing the actual action on the track in favor of showing a single car doing nothing of note is a big problem. And I do have a problem with that, but let me make an announcement to you real quick for those uh, folks that are maybe tuning in for the first time. Uh, we're going to go up to you at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we are going to continue recording our conversation, uh, and that will be part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. So you're going to hear us go off the air midstream, uh, mid-sentence, and uh, I, we just didn't want you to be lost with not knowing how you could hear the rest of the conversation. I'm going to go out on Twitter when we're finished here and uh, let you know that the podcast is now available. At that point, you should be able to fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. Um, and so watch for my Twitter uh, announcement that the podcast is available and uh, then you'll know that you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation. So, again, didn't want anybody to be caught off guard. So uh, I do think that there, there is a little bit of a problem with the broadcast on Fox. Um, they do tend to focus on things that uh, I wish they'd go back to the racing action. I'm not a huge fan of what they do every race. Uh, I don't even know what they call it now, where – they they just put it on audio for you to hear the cars, and you have no idea what's happening in the race. You're just listening to the cars. Uh, I suppose some fans really like that, but that's not what I'm doing here. I, I want to know what's happening on the track. So that's one of my least favorite things that they do. Um, and uh, I wish that they would take a second look at, at what they could do to improve uh, the broadcast. And the fact that Kevin Harvey had to practically beg them to focus on the action that uh, was happening on the track, I think speaks volumes. Um, 
and it's not the first time I think we've been been having that issue. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, um, I was already seeing on Twitter earlier last week that um, people were ready for uh, NBC to come back, for Junior to come back. Um, Yeah, I I like Mike Joy, and um, I, I kind of am excited for Michael Waltrip to be in the booth with Mike Joy and um, and Clint Boyer. It might be a little different than him doing his pit road stuff and him calling the truck races, but um, I'm kind of like what Jay's saying on that. Michael Waltrip can get goofy. Um, I definitely think his brother was the uh, better broadcast guy, uh, and Michael Waltrip is a big personality in the sport. So I get why he is still around on Fox. And I think he definitely should be part of the team because of his personality. And um, But it is going to be kind of refreshing to get the, to NBC and to get Junior back in the booth. Um, I think that the all-star booth team would be uh, Joy and Junior and, um, man, I don't know who else you could throw in there. There have been some good – guys to go into the booth and um i do have to comment on what you were just talking about sharing and what mike was talking about in the post with kevin harvick in the xfinity race i saw that clip on twitter before it was actually posted in in this group me and i thought that was crazy because you could definitely hear kevin harvick in like the background saying please show the race on the track and get it off pit road like he said something along those lines like please cut it to the to the action on the track um, so mm-hmm. I'm all for if if Harvick's doing that in the booth now, just to call it Xfinity race. Yeah, maybe when he retires in a year or two, let's uh, let's throw him in uh, throw him in the booth. Um, I mean, Chad else has done great. Um, uh, Tony Stewart, I thought, did pretty good too. Jackie McMurray, um, but I definitely think at the end of this year, Fox uh, should make some changes. Uh, another good option, in my opinion, would be Mike Joy and Larry Mack back in the booth and then maybe get somebody else in the booth next year. Um, so, I mean, there's there's plenty of options there for Fox to do some stuff next year. And uh, but excited to see Michael up there with uh, um, Mike Joy. Maybe they should bring in Daryl, then they'll, they'll have the Walter brothers in there. That would be pretty cool. But um, And uh, I'm excited for Gateway um, first time going there for the Cup Series, I believe. If they pro- maybe they went back in the seventies or eighties, I don't. I'm not sure. I haven't fact checked, but this is a new race this year for the schedule, so uh, can't miss it this weekend. Okay, Jay. Any follow up comments? Yeah, time the deal with Kevin Harvick and. I'm with you, Sharon. There is no doubt improvements can be made. However, especially with, and I don't know if this is a weekly problem um, or not, but at that point they were covering another story. And that's where I think fans don't understand. And I always have to go back to you do one thing, they complain. You change it, they complain or don't like it. Have we not heard in the past, why are you showing Dale Jr.? Why are you showing Danica Patrick? Why are you showing this driver in the back? Show this. You know, show some other cars. 
they were covering some other cars. I believe at the time it was. I take that back. That was this was in the Xfinity series. Um, I don't remember what they were showing. Somebody was pitting. Whatever. Um, even as an announcer, I can tell you that I can try and call the action up front. I missed something in the back. How many times have we heard dri- people ask, "Hey, how come we didn't hear about this story that happened? This driver dropped out of the race." until after the race, and then it's all over. We can hear it during the broadcast. Okay, they were trying to cover something that was happening. Yes, on-track action, a pass and battle for the lead was happening, and Harvick was just saying, hey, we can go, go back to this story right now. Let's hit this battle for the lead. Uh, I don't hear it as adamant as what, I guess, maybe Mike or, or whatever, they're, they're trying to point the finger that, hey, Harvick was saying, you're screwing up. He's just saying, hey, we need to move to this because this is happening now. This is still going to be there when we're done. We can go back to it. And I agree with that. Like you said, Sharon, there is always room for improvement. But I also think you need to look at fans have asked for, hey, tell some stories of some other drivers. We know Kyle's up front. Kyle Busch is up front, going to win, blah, blah, blah. Tell some of the stories of these other drivers. And, And like I said, I know I've heard it before. They're like, whether it be their favorite driver, and that's why they're asking, I don't know. But they're like, hey, he had a problem, and we didn't know about it. No, Nothing ever got talked about it. Well, when they try and do that, then they're like, hey, you're not showing these guys, or you're showing this. You can't win. I mean, and, and Sharon, a perfect example, real quick, before I, before I let it go. You talked about the, uh, it's called the Crank It Up, Fox Crank It Up. Yes. What they give you that yeah. if you have, yeah, the surround sound. They tell you, they warn you, because if you if you got surround sound, you want to crank it up and get that live at the track sound and feeling, and they only do it for a couple minutes. I understand you're saying it's not your thing. I am one. Yes, I love that because, yeah, if you got surround sound, you can get that rumble in the house, okay? But there again, <laughs> you're trying to make this group happy, this group isn't happy. You try to make that group happy, this group isn't happy. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't make everybody happy. Yeah, I'm sure there's some truth to that, and, and you bring up some good points. I know that there have been conversations about some of the fans that uh, want to know what's happening with their driver, if their driver is Corey LaJoy or, or a driver that uh, isn't always racing up front. Uh, they want to know what's going on with their driver, uh, and I get that. But, um, uh, but like you said earlier, they can always say, okay, this we're covering this. We're going to come back to it uh, because this is the action that's happening up front right now, and we want you to know about it as it's happening. Um, and and I do like it when they go through the field and uh, kind of highlight uh, you know who's some of the several drivers. And I think that there probably is some kind of a contract where certain drivers say. You know, some of these drivers do have to be mentioned X number of times uh, based on their performance on the track. So uh, they're trying to, to meet that contractual agreement with the sponsors or or whoever. But I, I just think that there's got to be some better ways for them to do that. Um, and, and I get what you're saying about the crank it up, too. It's not my thing. I get frustrated because I want to know what's happening on the track. Uh, but uh, I understand there's some fans who really do enjoy that. Um, it's just not my thing. 
but uh, I do wish that they would take some time to go back and review it and uh, just, you know, maybe watch some other broadcasts, watch the uh, Formula One broadcast that Mike likes, or watch the NBC broadcast, see what they're doing that uh, might be something that uh, they can bring to Fox and make their broadcast better. That's all we're asking. And uh, as far as Michael Waltrip, uh, again, he might not be one of my favorite uh, announcers uh, for calling a race, but uh, he, I know a lot of fans really like him. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm glad to hear Tony Stewart coming back. Uh, and, uh, yes, I will be glad to have Dale Jr. back in the booth <laughs> when NBC comes back. Tommy, you get to wrap this one up. I like how you said it right then. Um, Michael Waltrip is a—he's a great personality for the sport, and I do like him. And sometimes his goofy is funny, but he's not my favorite broadcaster. Uh, like I said, I think Daryl Waltrip, his brother, was was the better guy. But Michael Waltrip is still—it wouldn't feel right if he wasn't involved in the sport somehow. Let me mm-hmm. just say that. Uh, he needs to stay around, but Fox does need to work on something for next year for the booth combo, uh, a little something more permanent. Or you know the rotating is okay, but um, they have plenty of options, and um, can't wait to have Junior back in the booth. Uh, I think he's great. Like I said, him and Mike Joy and somebody else would be like the dream team. Just having Junior and Joy in there together, I think. Okay. Jay, do you have another topic you want to get in here? Oh, let's see. I I know we've tied several of them together there, so oops. Um, Make sure we hit on all the ones we at least had on our board. That one was covered, Fox Fox Sports. yeah, okay. I think we got them all covered. So, um, and there was, a, I'm trying to think what it was uh, that I had that I didn't have up there. Oh, Brian and I were talking about this. Brian Eberly and I were talking about this. I thought they mentioned it during the broadcast, and I didn't get a chance to go back and see if I could find any of the um, references to it. But Joe Gibbs Racing in advanced talks with a tech company on a one- to two-year contract. Uh, have either one of you seen or heard anything about that? And, and the reason I brought it up with uh, with Bri- uh, Brian was he picked Kyle Busch to win at WWT, Worldwide Technology. So I was like, well, maybe that's a, a hint at sponsorship. And um, all I know is that I thought I had seen somewhere that they talked about it being a tech company on a one- or two-year contract. Okay. Um Tommy, your thoughts? I haven't seen those Twitter or Reddit rumblings yet, but um, I've been thinking the past couple weeks, you know, M&M's was a huge sponsor, and now they're gone. They're leaving Kyle Busch. It's going to be weird not having an M&M's car out there next year. But what's going to be the big sponsor that fills in? So a one- to two-year deal – um, I mean, I know sponsorship is harder now than it used to be. Um, 
for the sport. So a one to two year deal, I guess, would make sense. But I know that there are teams out there to look for long term deals. Like Hendrick has Ally for like how many every year? So I know it's a long time. Um, and they lock their drivers. They try to lock their drivers down for long contracts with long sponsorship for a while. I assume that Joe Gibbs tries to do that too with um, Benny Hamlin at FedEx, Martin Truex and Bass Pro Shops. Christopher Bell has um, DeWalt, and Kyle Busch had M&Ms. So who's going to be that big sponsor? I've been trying to think of that too. You're saying a tech company. Uh, I don't know who I can think of. I mean, there's so many big com- big tech companies out there. I really don't. I mean, there's so many that could come to mind for an option. So, so I don't want to just say examples to shout them out and then get people, you know, thinking and thinking. But who knows what it could be. Uh, but I'm excited to know because I really want to imagine what that paint scheme will look like next year for the 18 car. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Kyle Busch is going to come up with something. If it's a tech company, I think that's fine. Uh, it is going to be sad, though, because all the kids love the M&M's car. Uh, every one of my grandkids, when they watch a race with me, they want to know who's driving the M&M's car, and uh, that's the driver that they want to win the race, is the guy who's driving the M&M's car. So I feel bad from that perspective because I think it is creating uh, a lot of new fans uh, from a younger generation uh, to to want to know what's happening with Kyle Busch uh, and the M&M's card. So that's going to be sad for me to see that go away for Kyle Busch. Um, but at the same time, uh, we'll see what happens with the new tech company. And uh, if it is a tech company, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen the, the uh, uh, social media things that you're referencing either. So it's a stab in the dark for me to try to figure out who that might be. But um, uh, I do think that uh, Kyle Gibbs, or Kyle Gibbs, Kyle Bush will get some kind of sponsorship through Gibbs, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and uh, still be racing next season. I imagine it's probably been uh, a little bit tense for him uh, being in the position that he's been in, uh, and that's maybe why we've seen him be a little bit more uh, pensive, I'll just say it that way, uh, than what we've seen him in a few years. Uh, but uh, I, do think, I do think it's all going to work out. Let me just say that. Jay? Okay. Okay. Yes. I'm here. I was sorry. I was, look, yeah, I'm sorry. I was here. I was trying to look and see what I could find on that. Um, I'll pull that Jayski one back up here in a minute. The one thing I, I, I do want to say is, yeah. And I said this from the beginning, I do think something's going to work out for Kyle Busch there at Joe Gibbs racing, uh, no matter what it is. Now, Sharon, you hit on something very key. If we go to, and, and again, I haven't found even anything on this of substantial, indication of um being a tech company but you're right that we're going to lose something as far as a sponsorship that draws the kids unless it happens to be something in the gaming industry whether it be Mm -hmm. with iRacing or something to that effect 
because you're right. Uh, Mars M's obviously was a very big draw for that young generation. Um, now, can Joe Gibbs say, okay, we're going to wait on that? No, obviously not. The other mm-hmm. thing is you're not going to find the kind of commitment I don't think that Mars was giving. And that's why I mentioned it was a one to two year um, that, uh, sorry, I was trying to read this article from Joe Gibbs of, on that, um, but that you're not going to find that kind of commitment. And so it may be a shorter term contract. Somebody like Kyle would normally get a three year plus contract. It might be a short term contract for that reason. Because, uh, you know, Mars' commitment to that, to that team was huge. So we'll have to see how that plays out. It will be interesting. And, and Sharon, you made a great point. Like I said, I hadn't really thought about that, of, of the draw that that sponsor has. Not just about money and sponsor as far as the team, but the draw and impact it has on the fans, such as what M&Ms did for the young generation. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I've always noticed that uh, with the kids. They all like that M&M's card. Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be weird not seeing the Skittles or M&M's car out there. Uh, it will be missed. Um, so for me, it originally was the 36th of Kenny Schrader. Then it was the 38th of Elliot Sadler and David Gillen. And then it was Kyle Busch. So... Definitely just going to be strange not seeing that car out there, but uh, I'm just ready to know who that big sponsor is going to be, who's going to step in and for how long. Um, If it's a tech company, uh, just wonder what that tech company will be. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing those Twitter and Reddit rumblings come up um, if that rumor is true that y'all are talking about. So I hadn't seen that one yet. I always like to get the uh, the update on the tape. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I just think that, uh, you know, he is going to have something on his car for next season. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious like Tommy is to find out who that's going to be. And uh, I hope you're right, Jay. I hope it's uh, something that continues to draw in the younger generation. You get the final word. Okay, here. Okay, I found what I was looking for here, and I really thought, like I said, it was mentioned on the broadcast. Uh, let me scroll all the way back up to the top. This was posted uh, a week ago, and I think it's uh, beyond the flag. Here we go, beyondtheflag.com. Part of it was talking about that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing have hired Brand Activation Maximizer which is the marketing agency owned by JTG Dotary Racing and co-owner Tad Geschechter. Odd thing there is that's a Chevy team, um, but working with a Toyota one for sponsorship for the Toyota powerhouse, specifically the 18th. Then uh, Adam Stern's tweet says that Joe Gibbs Racing has hired JTG Racing owner Todd Geschechter's marketing agency to help sell sponsorship. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay. Okay, well, following down on that then, uh, let me see if this one has a date on it. This one was under the Sports Business Journal. Another one from Adam Stern in that same article says, Joe Gibbs Racing is said to be in advanced talks with a major tech company for a one-year deal for the 18, 
per sources, but JGR president uh, says the relationship with Tad Geschechter's agency will extend beyond just filling the car's inventory. And that's from May 19th, um, that that one, it, it was at the bottom of that article. So that's, I, okay. that's where I'd gotten that from. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd forgotten about that, that they had hired the uh, JTG to, uh, market agency, which was a Chevrolet-owned uh team owner but the marketing agency is his the one thing i look at there again is the sport gonna be better or not without with or without kyle bush and whether you like him or not i don't see how you can say it'd be better with him gone so yeah helping anybody helping find sponsorship to keep kyle bush in the cup series you know that's good for the sport uh, and we've heard it. Drivers that have to compete against it, they feel it's good when they have to compete against him on the track because they know if they can run with him, beat him, where they're at, you know. So there again, I, I think it's a great thing to see everybody helping what's best for the sport. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, bring up one quick one here. Uh, there's an update. Phoenix to host the 2023 championship weekend so this year i think is what the second year that they're hosting championship weekend so 2023 would be the third weekend uh third year uh that they're going to be hosting it what are your guys thoughts about that uh jay we'll start with you well this is another one kind of like the all-star race discussion of you know if you have it at the same place for multiple years in a row um, certain teams, if they can get to the final four, you know, we have that condition now. First, you've got to get in those, the final four um, that know and run well at that track kind of have an advantage. I, I liked the job Phoenix has done. I liked it at Homestead, Miami, when they had the entire championship weekend down there. So that's another one that I think every three to five years, I think, should be set differently. And I know we're limited, especially that late in the year when we come to the end of October, beginning of November, there's only a select few tracks that are weather-wise uh, good fits. And then also, you know, as, as much as we, we've talked about certain tracks, there's certain tracks you just don't want to see it at, Daytona being one of them. I know that's one, obviously, you start the mm-hmm. season at Daytona, you end it. Uh, that one's too big of a wild card, in my opinion, to hold that championship race. The only thing I don't like, uh, and this is something that maybe – you could look at in agreements when we talk about where do dates come from. If you want a track to have a, a new track to have a race or a different track to have a race, where does it come from? If you're holding championship weekend right now, it's Phoenix. They only get that one race per year instead of the early race in the in the beginning of the season. They only get one per year. That <coughs> excuse me. That frees up a date to go somewhere else, whether it be a new track, Iowa or Chicagoland gets one back, or a track that normally only has one for that period, however long Phoenix is holding it, they get two dates. Okay, then you move the the championship to Las Vegas. Okay, Phoenix gets their two dates back throughout the year. Vegas only gets one. Now another track has an opportunity to pick up that second Vegas date so that the championship event is only that one race per year. I think that's kind of something they should look at um, during that. But like I said, uh, I, I like the all-star race, two or three to five years, good. If it's working, maybe you leave it there. But there are some other tracks that could do it as well. 
And I think Las Vegas would be at the forefront. Okay. Tommy, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I keep on hearing people say that they want the uh, the championship race uh, rotated, but I feel like this will be the third or fourth year in a row since Phoenix, and the Phoenix um, championship races have been good. Um, Homestead's a great track. I kind of feel like um, it's kind of like the all-star race with the uh, championship race, you know. Think big city, so... Vegas would be a good option. Miami would be a good option. Uh, Phoenix is a good option. Um, so, didn't they, I feel like Atlanta used to be the the end race at one point as well. So, there's so many options out there as usual. Um, but I'm I'm fine with Phoenix. I'm fine with rotating it bringing it back to my uh, homestead or changing it to Vegas or, you know, um, keeping it at Phoenix. So either way is fine with me, um, but I'm excited to see it at Phoenix this year or next year. Yeah, I feel good about it being at Phoenix again. Uh, they're, they're talking about how they've already sold out uh, the Grand Scan tickets for Phoenix uh, for this year's championship race. Uh, and there's only standing room only hillside and fan shield infield experience tickets left. Uh, and they're telling fans, uh, if you want to, if you want those tickets, you better call them and get them now because uh, they're selling out at a rapid pace as well. So uh, if they're getting that kind of results for the championship race, uh, I think it's a good idea to go back uh, and have it there again. Uh, if that starts to decline, then I think it's probably time to, to look at a different location. But uh, I say ride the wave while it's uh, there. And uh, I think Phoenix has been a good host for the championship weekend, and uh, I'm all for it. Jay, anything else you want to add there? Well, uh, unfortunately, Tommy, Mike's not here, so you got to be my target. I didn't hear if uh, Fort Worth, Dallas area was a good place to have it there at Texas Motor Speedway. <laughs> no, uh, that is one. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Um, no, I mean that is one of the ones. Like I said, weather-wise, that late in the year, uh, and I actually went to a couple of the ones at Atlanta. A uh, good facility to have it. Uh, I know one of the ninety. I believe it was 95 or 96 uh, Jeff Gordon's championship celebration uh, I wanted to clap for him but I didn't want to take my hands out of my pockets because it was nippy and cold so um, mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll ever see it at, at Atlanta again they did a good job of it but yeah it could uh, could be rather nippy in uh, in November there in Atlanta so like you said I think Las Vegas, uh, whenever the run, like you said, Sharon, whenever the run at Phoenix is over, I think Las Vegas is the next one to get their shot at hosting it as far as the uh, the championship. Uh, again, my only my only thing would be try and do it where it's oh, that's the only race of the year. Uh, no, not at Las Vegas because uh, from Atlanta, I think, is when it moved to Miami Homestead. They moved oh, the championship right. they banquet. The championship they moved the championship the banquet. banquet. Yeah, that's there you go. And now that that has moved on to Nashville, um, again, NASCAR trying to do different things in different markets. 
So, yeah, like I said, I could see the, the championship race itself being run then in Vegas um, or get them getting their opportunity, and I think that would be a great town, a uh, great facility and place to have it, um, not to take away from Phoenix. Not And there was nothing wrong with it in Miami Homestead, but that's one of those where I think on a, on a three- to five-year deal, move it around. If a facility and a situation doesn't work out, don't go back to that one. Like I said, I hate to say it, but I don't think it'll go back to Atlanta for that, for, for several reasons. Um, you'd have to wait and see Charlotte. It'd be another one. Um, you could possibly, I think do it at, but again, you're playing a lot with weather um, when it comes to that. So we'll, we'll have to see, but Phoenix is a great fit. We get to see it there again for uh, 2023. You're not going to hear any complaints out of me. I'll put it that way. Okay. Any follow-up, Tommy? Uh, no, ma'am. I don't really have much to add. Just um, excited for Phoenix this year, next year, and um, I'm for Homestead or Vegas as well. Okay. Yeah, I don't have anything to add, so you get the final word, Jay, and then we'll do our roundtable. I, I would have to agree as far as the championship race. I probably would not put it at Texas. I've given a little bit of rib, rib there to Tommy. But, uh, no, I, I don't know that that, that track. Um, and there again, you know, everybody wants to say cookie cutter, mile and a half. Uh, they're not the same. Uh, you know, and I know Phoenix isn't a mile and a half track, but uh, Vegas was. Um, so they are a little bit different. It's one of those maybe in a year or two, just like with Charlotte, we've seen better racing at Charlotte than we have in years past, according to most people in Jeff Gluck's uh, poll um, that Mike posted. Maybe as, as racing improves at Texas, uh, you know, the track wears in a little bit more, maybe down the road we see it. But right now I would have to agree that would not be at the top of my list. Like I said, I see Vegas being the next one to get it at least for a couple of years, like we've seen with uh, Phoenix. All right. Um, let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you. Uh, at Since95Fan on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. I've been posting um, the date uh, with my 164 diecast every day. Um, we got some good schemes for everybody to see. Uh, so give me a follow and you'll get to see them. All right. Uh, Jay. Yeah, there were a couple of those, Tommy. I had to, I had to look at look at and think about to to remember some of those paint schemes. Uh, I know Derek Cope was one of them in the thirty as we hit the thirtieth. Uh, that one threw me for a minute. Um, you can follow me, uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, and. Uh, I know we didn't get to it, uh, tonight, Thursday. I'll give you an update on the fantasy points for fan for racing. I will say this. There's been some shuffling. Uh, three races in one weekend, a couple weekends in a row. Next weekend, they're not all three at the same place, but they're all, all three active. So we've had some shuffling in our own point standings. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I am fan for racing site on Twitter, fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com, where we have our Fan for Racing uh, radio player, uh, where you can hear the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, And uh, I will be at Gateway this weekend uh, watching the race, and uh, 
enjoying the sights and sounds of uh, the Gateway area there. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. It will be the Truck Series race as well as the Cup Series race. Uh, while the Arco West and the Xfinity Series will be racing at Portland uh, on the road course. So uh, that's uh, how that's broken up this weekend. It's going to be a little bit of gateway in Portland. Um, a big shout-out to our camp racing team, Salsa Gallard, uh, Jay uh, Hughesman, and uh, Tommy Kraft. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show and everything you do to make it uh, an interesting conversation. And then also to our listeners for tuning in, whether it's on the podcast or the live podcast, we appreciate each and every one of you for taking time to listen in to what it is that we have to share. Um, uh, looking forward to the Thursday night show uh, when we do our re- preview of the races coming up this weekend uh, with Jay Houston and uh, and then following that, the weekend of racing. So with that, guys, I'm ready to call it a night. How about you? All right. Have a good night, and we'll talk to you again Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.